how awesome and powerful our God is, that he can do that. But more than that, we looked at just briefly how that all the way back at the beginning, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God had a plan, and he was going to work that plan so that at the fullness of time, at the perfect time, God would send his son, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem people. And, and we looked at some of the effect that that would have. But last week, I, I told you that we were going to look at the prophecies or the promises that God had given and how he fulfilled those. And I had, I, when, I, when I initially let it be known that that was my plan a um, month ago or something like that, um, I had this grand idea that I would, I would go through all of the prophecies that point to Christ and, and we would just take some time and be amazed at how awesome God is, that he could work that all out. And then I realized that that's 351 of them, depending on, on which sources you look at, but there's, there's a ton. And like, I can preach a long time, but not everybody can listen a long time, and I'm not sure I can even preach that long. So let's, let's bring it down a little bit. Let's bring it down. So I said, okay, we're going to look at the book of Matthew. Matthew's great. Um, Matthew has, it, if, if you've read through the Gospel of Matthew, you'll notice something. That he is trying to connect the Old Testament and the New Testament together. And he's trying to let it be known, hey, all of that stuff for you Jews from the Old Testament, that is fulfilled in the promised Messiah of Jesus Christ. So you really need to pay attention. You really, really need to look at it. We're not getting rid of all that stuff. All of the Old Testament is fulfilled in Christ. And so you really, as, as Jews, as followers of God, as God's chosen people, you really need to embrace this because this Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. And so I'm like, okay, let's, let's limit it just to Matthew. That sounds good, right? And then I realized that, again, depending on who you talk to, there's like 60 to 75 different specific and allusions that point to Christ as the fulfillment. I'm like, yeah, no, I can't do one per minute or, or less than that uh, and, and get through all of that. So let, let's narrow it down. Let's narrow it down. And so the, the ladies' Bible study that normally meets Friday nights but isn't going to meet until New Year's, after the New Year, correct? Okay, but you can join with them after the New Year. That would be great. Talk to Linda and she'll get you all set up. But um, they, they like to pre-study, and I, I pick on them a little bit. It's so that they can make sure and keep me straight and that I don't mess up, but not really, not really. They just love God's Word, and it's so exciting to see. Um, but so I, I prepared for them. I'm like, okay, I can't do 350. I can't, I can't do 60. Let's bring it down to 12. And so I, I put them together a, a little thing, and those 12 are just the places where Matthew says that such and such was done to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy. Now, I, I prepped those for them, and uh, I actually went ahead and got some extras made up. They are on the back table underneath where the name tags are. If you want to dig into those, I highly recommend it. Really interesting, really exciting to see how God fulfills what he said he would. Now, I, I didn't make a ton of copies, so if they run out and you want one, let me know. Okay, I'll make more copies. That's not a problem. I just, I hate to waste paper, so I didn't make a bunch. Grab them from back there if you're interested. Um, and they said it took them a while to work through all of them. I, I get it. It takes time to, to really dig into Scripture. Take your time. Spend some time studying it. 
The problem that I ran into, so I gave that to them on Wednesday, and then Thursday afternoon, or Thursday morning, I, I came in and I was studying and I was working, and I'm like, there's no way that I can bring this all together to, to even get 12 of them in, in one sermon. So, we're still looking at, at how God keeps his promises, um, and, and God fulfilled so many prophecies. But we're going to limit it down to just a few. We're going to look actually at one individual, one person that God used to fulfill several of them. Okay? Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is, this is one of several sections or passages that are read at Christmas time. And it's a, it's a great passage. It's one of those that I, I find really interesting. I think it's, it's pretty neat. Um, up here, you'll see that there's a bunch of different ones. We're going to be going through most of those. They all focus on one individual, but I'm just going to read right now Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins." Now all this took place that was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife. And he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, as we gather together and, and spend a little bit of time studying it, I pray that you would, would clear our minds, clear our thoughts from all the distractions. Lord, there are so many, and it's so easy to get distracted. But Lord, help us to focus in on your word for this time. Lord, help us to, to study it, to learn from it, and to recognize how we can apply it and use it so that we can be more like your son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, obviously there's a whole lot going on in this passage. We're going we're gonna to try and pull some of it apart, um, <clears throat> but there's, there's tons happening. If you've been around the church at, at Christmas time at all, you've probably heard this over and over and again. But I think that we need to, to step back and review some of it. So, so some of what we look at, you may already know, um, but that's okay. It's good to review and to, to look at certain things. First thing that pops up is this idea of betrothal. Uh, it says, when the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Now, that's, that's something different than what we're used to. The closest comparison that I could, can come up with is kind of like when someone's engaged to get married. Um, but it's a little bit more than that, all right? So it's, in, in our society, 
you know, you can get engaged and then you can break off the engagement and it, it's not really that big of a deal. In their society, there was a whole lot more that went into even just the, the process of getting engaged, let alone the legal standing that they had once they were betrothed. Um, their, their society had a lot more involvement of the parents than our society tends to. I mean, nowadays, you go out on a date, you date for however long, you decide, hey, this is the perfect girl, I'm going to get married, or, or the perfect guy, as the case might be, and you, the, the guy gets down on one knee, offers a ring, they get engaged, set the date, and they look forward to getting married, right? In their society, there was a lot more involved to that. The parents had to make a legal contract together, and so, you know, the, the kids may or may not be involved in that, depending on different things, but the, the parents would get together and they'd, they'd hash out all the agreement. And there was, there was a lot to it. There were dowries to be exchanged. There were promises to be made. There were legal documents to write out. I mean, all of that stuff went together. And then once that was set, the, the groom, the husband-to-be, would go and prepare a place. He would get a house ready. And that could take anywhere from just a little while to maybe a year or more. And he would, he would spend his time focused on getting ready to get married. And he was making a place and getting everything put together. And sometimes that would even entail like building a house for her so that when they, when they were ready to get married, they could. Most likely, what's going on right here is that that Joseph has been working and getting ready and getting prepared. And if you've read in Luke chapters 1 and 2, it talks about how that Mary receives, a, an angel comes to Mary and is like, hey, you're going to be uh, given a child by the Holy Spirit and you know, you're going to have a baby. She's like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm a virgin. I've, I've, I don't do those things. How's that possible? It's a reasonable question. And, and the angel says, God's going to do it. It's, everything's possible with God, right? We know that. And so Mary finds out she's going to be pregnant, and in that culture, that's a big deal because she's not supposed to have been able to get pregnant until they're actually officially married. Not the betrothed part, but till they come together, and that's what this is saying. So you'll, you'll recall Mary goes to be with Elizabeth, her cousin, right? I think that during that time, we're, we're kind of looking at this happening, okay? So Mary has gone, um, and they, they have not come back together. And so Joseph, he's been working hard. He's been trying to get ready. He's been putting everything together. And then one day, somebody walks up and says, Hey, Joseph, what's this I hear about Mary? She's pregnant? What's going on? What would happen in your mind? Just, just think about that for a minute. You've, as a guy, you have sought out the perfect girl. And whether it was your parents or you, you, you are ready. And you've put in the time and the effort. You have kept yourself pure and ready. You have worked hard putting this together. And you find out Mary's pregnant. That means she's been unfaithful to me. What's going through your mind right now? I mean, I, I have to pause and ponder. As I, as I think through Scripture, 
I don't want to do too much of it, but I, I want to put myself into that situation just to, to try and understand. Like, Joseph, he was probably confused. Like, is, is this true? Did it, did it really happen? What's going on? And I wouldn't be surprised if he got a little angry, if he was a bit upset, maybe indignant, probably concerned. Maybe his first reaction was, no, no, there, there's no way. No, no. Mary, she's a, she's a good young lady. I mean, she's, she's waiting. She's saving herself for me. Something must have happened. Well, in their society, he had a few options. And when, when we read through the passage, it says, Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, he's trying to figure out what is he going to do. We know something about Joseph. He's righteous. That means he's just. And he doesn't want to make a public display of her. That's, that's what this idea is. He doesn't want to disgrace her. But what is he going to do? What would you do in that situation? Well, let's, let's look at what his options were. Because I, I don't know for sure how much he dug in, but if it were me, I would have to go back and like, okay, well, what can I do? And then what will I do? I've got several different passages listed out up here. Um, we're going to take a couple of minutes and kind of quickly try and dig into some of those. Exodus chapter 22. Now, I, like I said, I don't know if, if all of these immediately came to Joseph's mind um, as he was trying to figure it out, but we have the benefit of hindsight being able to look back and say, okay, well, maybe he could have done this, maybe he could have done that. In Exodus chapter 22, uh, verse 16, it says, If a man seduces a virgin who's not engaged and lies with her, he must pay a dowry for her to be his wife. If, his father, if her father absolutely refuses to give, him to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the dowry for virgins. So, First option, Joseph could say, yep, that's my baby, I was impatient, and I'm going to pay the dowry, I'm going to pay the penalty, and, and she'll be my wife, and we'll go on. The problem that I run into looking at that is it wasn't true. Joseph was a righteous man, right? That means he, he was holding himself, he was behaving himself as a groom should, as a man should, he was... He was not going to do the things that were not acceptable. So he wasn't going to lie about it. So that's probably not actually an option. Because he would have to lie and say that he did something he didn't do. And yet, so what's he going to do? Well, the next verse, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, there we go. Yes, I do sometimes have to sing the song in my head to find where things are. It's okay. Leviticus chapter 20. In verse 10. If there's a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery with his friend's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. That's pretty straightforward, right? Now, like I said, this betrothal thing, it's a little different than what we're used to. It was a legally binding agreement 
in which, you'll, you'll notice in Matthew, it even called Joseph her husband. They were legally, there was a marriage status, but they hadn't come together yet. That means they weren't doing all the married people things. They weren't uh, living in the same house or anything. Joseph, like I said, is probably getting ready for that. But they have not come together yet. And Mary is found with child. That means that somebody else was an adulterer with her. She's, she's already taken. She's spoken for. There's a contract, everything. So legally, what we're looking at then is that, that Mary and whoever it is are supposed to be executed. That's, that's the law. That's the law as it stood. Okay? Jump forward to Deuteronomy. We're going to hit Deuteronomy 22 first. In Deuteronomy 22, verses 21 and, and, or 20 and 21, Deuteronomy 22, verses 20 and 21, this is, is in a process um, in which if a man has a wife and he charges her with something, if it's not true, then certain things are going to happen. All right, That's what, what came before. But if it's true... Um, in verse 20, if the charge is true that the girl was not found a virgin, then they shall bring out the girl to the doorway of her father's house. The men of the city shall stone her to death because she has committed an act of folly in Israel by playing the harlot in her father's house. Thus you shall do to purge the evil from among you. That's the law. If before they get married, she's still living at her father's house, right? That's, that's just how it was. They hadn't come together yet. If this is found to be, then the law says, bring her to the door of her father's house and the men of the city, the elders, the leadership, the, the people are to remove that from the, the country and stone her to death. See, Joseph had the option. He could have gone completely nuclear, hunted down the guy, had her executed, had him executed, just just gone crazy. That's, that's an option. It's a valid option. Technically, it's a legal thing that he could do. But Joseph is a righteous man, and he doesn't want to do this. I, I think I saw a hand coming up. You got a question? I forgot. Okay, all right. I, I don't mind questions if you, if you come up with them. I'm, I'm hoping I'll answer it along the way. But this, this is true. This is true. But let's, let's keep in mind, he doesn't know what's going on yet. He hasn't had the angel come and tell him what's going on yet. So this is just, he's, he's heard that she's pregnant. It's been found out. And, and in small town societies, you guys probably know, word travels quick. And so everybody knows that Mary's pregnant. Something's going on. And Joseph, he's faced with this. He's like, well, what would you do? What, what? These are his options. But he's a just man. He, he wants what is righteous. And he, he doesn't want to make a public scene. He doesn't want to embarrass her. I, I get the impression he loves her and doesn't want her to die. Because, I mean, that's kind of what we've looked at so far. We got one more in Deuteronomy chapter 24. 
Deuteronomy 24. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her. And he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out from his house. And she'll leave that house. That's where Joseph goes. Now there's, there's more to this. It deals with the, the laws of divorce and the ways that different things can happen. There's more in that passage. But the, what comes to Joseph's mind because he's just, and because he doesn't want to, to make an example out of Mary. He wants to protect her. See, even, even though, from, from his viewpoint, from outside, it looks like she's been unfaithful and she's done some things, he has been wronged. At least, like I said, this is, this is trying to understand his position. He doesn't know the whole situation yet, but it sure looks that way. Even in that Joseph is like, I want what's best. See, God doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. And so he's trying to figure this out. And I, I kind of feel for him. Like, how do you, how do you deal with such a, a difficult thing? I mentioned earlier that, you know, we, we have all kinds of stuff going on in our lives and challenges. And most likely you've got something that you're thinking through and you're trying to figure out. And first step, I would say look at Scripture. What are the options? What, what does God want you to do? And, and it seems to me that Joseph knows the heart of God well enough to realize that he doesn't want to make, go nuclear and, and execute Mary and make this big scene and cause all kinds of problems. And so, if we go back to the book of Matthew... He's been pondering this. He's been trying to figure this out. And I, like I said, I don't know that he went through all of these options. But in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, when he had considered this, and the idea is that he thought about it, and he dwelled on it, and he was trying to figure it out. Because as we've seen, he is a just man, and he doesn't want to make a public example out of Mary. While he had considered it, he ended up coming to a conclusion in verse 19. And I I suspect, it doesn't specifically say this, but I suspect that he was already getting the legal paperwork together. That he's he's trying to get it ready. Because in verse 19 it says, Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. That's what we just saw in Deuteronomy 24. That was the process. It was a legal divorce in which he says, I'm, I'm not going to have her executed, which is my right. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to quietly let her go her way. I'm going to go my way. It's tough. It's hard. But that's what I'm going to do. And as he was considering this, as he was working on putting this together, verse 20, when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. 
Now, it had been 400 years since God had spoken to the people. We call it the 400 silent years. There hadn't been prophecy. There hadn't been a lot of things. And all of a sudden, the angels start showing up on the scene and giving messages. But I don't, I don't think quite yet all of those stories have gotten together yet. So imagine, once again, for yourself, you're, you're dealing with this. You're struggling and you're trying to figure it out. And all of a sudden, God speaks to you. Now, during that time, there had been some who claimed that God talked to them, um, but he hadn't. And so, I, I don't know what Joseph would have been thinking at this point. He's like, he wants to do what's right, but he doesn't know what to do, and now he's dreaming, and there's this angel that appears to him. That'd be kind of tough, kind of odd. But the angel makes it very clear, and I... An angel has never spoken to me, so I have no idea what it would look like or how he would know. But somehow, Joseph understands this is the angel from God. Just like Mary understood, and just like uh, Zechariah, and there's a few other people that angels appear to and talk to and give them instructions, give them information. Somehow or another, Joseph sees it, and he understands this is from God. No doubt about it. And he has been given a specific command about what he's supposed to do. What would you do? He's got two choices now. We looked at a whole bunch of what he could have the option of, but now he has two choices. Obey God or do his own thing. You know, each of us is faced with that choice on a constant, regular basis. Are we going to obey God or are we going to do our own thing? Well, what do we know about Joseph? He was a righteous man. So, he obeys God, right? Now, Matthew puts in a, uh, I'm going to call it an editorial comment right here, to help the reader understand certain things that are going on. Verse 22 and 23, it says, Now all of this took place, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Really cool thing about what it says. Matthew recognizes that it was spoken by God. God's the one who made the promises. He did it through the prophets, But it's not, hey, this was to prove that the prophets were right. He's saying this was to fulfill what God had said through the prophets. Okay? So that it would be fulfilled. And which one specifically? Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now, there's a whole bunch in that, and, and one of the things that I had hoped to do and thought about doing was looking back in Isaiah, where this originally comes from, and comparing it and looking at all those things. I highly recommend it. It's a great study. I've got you some materials back there that you can grab and take a look at that. I'm not going to take the time to dig through all of that right now, because Matthew is making it clear that this was the fulfillment of God's promise, that there would be a virgin And that's one of the cool things. Isaiah uses a a kind of broad term as a young lady. And Matthew says, no, yes, that's true, but we're looking at a a virgin, meaning untouched, hasn't had relations with a man type of a thing. Okay, Matthew is being very specific in what's going on here. And it's to fulfill that idea that we would have God with us. Matthew wants us, us to understand that very, very clearly. So, Joseph has 
been faced with a challenge, faced with a decision. What is, what is he going to do? And God makes it clear to him what he wants done. He says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and take her. Marry her. She's going to have a baby. And you are going to call his name Jesus so that this prophecy would be fulfilled because he will be the one that saves his people from their sins. That's verse 21. So what does he do? Verse 24. Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife. Joseph obeyed, right? Wonderful, that's great. I I think that every one of us should obey God when we know what it is that he says. But that's not the end of the story. In fact, we're a long ways from the end of the story. See, Joseph was faced with this really, really difficult decision. And God made it simple. And, And you know, in life, it's really easy for us to look at things going on in the world around us. And we're faced with all kinds of challenges. We're faced with all kinds of difficulties. And God's word is so awesome. It gives us everything that we need to live a life of godliness. It gives us the answers. Now, I don't think that God's going to send an angel nine times out of ten. No, probably more than that. God's not going to just reveal himself and, and automatically tell us, boom, this is what you, you need to do. He expects us to study his word, to understand his word. And I think that Joseph had even already started that because he, he was a righteous man. He wanted to do what was right and what aligned with the way that God operated. And he didn't want to make an example out of Mary. He wanted to, to take care of her as best as he could. But he's faced with, how do I do this? But God shows him the answer. And then Joseph is just faced with one question. Are you going to obey God or not? We're faced with that same question. When we understand what God expects of us, are we going to obey it or not? And that becomes really, really easy in our heads and the way that we think. But we're going to continue on with this story and see what happens with Joseph. And we're going to find out it wasn't necessarily easy. See, obedience is what we need to do, but it's going to cost him something. It's going to be challenging. Verse 24, so Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So what did it cost him? Well, first of all, it's kind of obvious, it cost him his wedding night. I don't know necessarily what Joseph's thoughts or plans had been, but it costs him that. That's just something simple, basic. But more than that, we already looked at some of the cultural things that were going on, and people are going to know that Mary's pregnant, and when the baby's born, it's not been nine months since the wedding day. Just saying. In that culture, in that society, that's a big deal. And so now, Joseph is faced with some societal ridicule. And and there's all kinds of options, and you you guys know how gossip can be. It's going to go round and round and round and grow and be all kinds of different things. And who knows? I I don't know. Scripture didn't record for us. Who knows what things might have been said about Mary or about Joseph? I do know 
that in John chapter 8, hold, hold your place here, we won't be gone very long, but in John chapter 8, we have a situation that occurs. This is much later in Jesus' life. Um, he's been in ministry for a while. He's, he's going around, he's teaching and talking. And in John chapter 8, uh, verse 40, he's been talking about the idea of, of the fathers and, and of Abraham as the father of the nation and different things of that nature. And in, in verse 40, <clears throat> um, make sure I got the right, right. yeah, verse 40, he's, he's talking, well, let's back up to 39. They answered him and said to Jesus, this is the group that he's talking to, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if, Abraham, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. You're doing the deeds of your father. And he's, he's implying that their father is not Abraham, but Satan, that they're, they're not going the right way. They said to him, we were not born of fornication, for we have one father, even God. Now, I'm not positive, but it sure looks like they knew the story and the history and that they are making some kind of point to imply that some form of fornication was going on when Jesus was born. And Joseph had to deal with that. A just man, a righteous man. That's not to say he never messed up. I mean, he's not perfect by any means. But now he's facing ridicule. Something to think about for us. Are we willing to face a little bit of ridicule for following Christ? When we're obedient, it's probably going to cost us something. Maybe it's just loss of our personal pleasures or desires. Maybe it's the fact that we get ridiculed from those around us. Maybe it's something more than that. See, again, the story doesn't end here. We have the rest of the story. We're going we're gonna to bypass where the wise men show up in uh, the beginning of chapter 2, but we're going to advance into uh, Matthew chapter 2, starting off in verse 13. Now, you'll, you guys remember the story of the, the wise men, the magi. They come, they bring gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, <clears throat> again, we're, we're just going to imagine for a moment, these guys traveled probably 1,000 miles, something like that, a very long distance, in, a, in an era when you didn't make 60 mile an hour down the road, or 50 or 40 or 30, they're, they're probably in a caravan, so whatever the speed of a camel is, type of an idea. And they went a thousand miles. They went a long distance. Now, I don't know. And, and I'm one of those curious types who's like, okay, let's, let's see if we can figure this out. They bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, how much of those did they bring? And unfortunately, that's like one of those questions that happens a lot in the Bible. It doesn't tell us. It wasn't important enough for God to want us to know specifically. So I'm, I'm just thinking in my own head, if these guys travel that far, they didn't just bring a token amount. They probably brought a decent amount. Now again, I have no idea how much, but put yourself in Joseph's position. These guys just show up one day. You're... you're Son is approximately a year, two years old, somewhere in that range, and they arrive with gifts. Probably some pretty 
elaborate gifts. We're not going to dig into it, but if you do some study, which I recommend, do some study on the gifts that they bring, they are recognizing that Jesus is the king. So we're probably talking a lot. I've heard numbers ranging up to like $10 million. I don't know, but imagine if somebody brought you, say, 10000 to $10 million, and you've got a brand new baby, and you're setting up a new household, what's going on in your mind? Just, just be honest about it. What, think about that. What, what are the first things that pop to your head as what to do with this money? That's, that's an actual question. It's okay. Somebody brought you $10,000 right now. What, what would you do with it? Wow. Like, woohoo. <laughs> okay. Hey, you, I don't know. Maybe Joseph was like, oh, man, now we can finally get a better house. We don't have to be in this area. We can go over there. Maybe not leave Lapine, but maybe you know, move to the, the nicer part of town. Now, I don't know. I, they didn't have colleges at that time. But in my head, one of the first things that pops to my mind is, man, my kid's college education is set. I don't have to worry about that. We're good to go. I mean, these are legitimate things, right? Get out of debt, pay off the car, get a better vehicle because, you know, we've been, we've been riding around on this, this broke-down donkey for a while and it's time that we get a, a brand-new camel model. I don't know. I don't know what went through his mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably would have said no. I, I don't want that. Yeah. That's possible. Joseph may have been like, ah, no, no, no. We don't we don't need that. Take take it back. We don't want I, I don't know. I have no idea. But in my mind, just just being practical here, I suspect that Joseph was starting to to run through things. Now he's a just man. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to imply anything negative. I think that he is trying to take good care of Jesus and take good care of Mary. And his mind starts racing on how do I do that best? Now when they, the wise men, this, jumping back into to Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Once again, Joseph's faced with a choice. What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And, and like I said, I think he wants to do it the best possible way. But the angel of the Lord appears to him saying, Arise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Whatever Joseph's thoughts or plans might have been, the angel appears and says, run. And that's, that's really what it is. Don't stop, don't think, don't plan, run. Because Herod's out to get you. And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Joseph obeyed immediately. Middle of the night, they get up and run. That's, that's sure what it looks like. Now, was there a time to do any planning? I don't know, but this is really quick because the king of their region is out to kill your son. Dads, what do you do? You run. Joseph, a just and righteous man, protected his family at all costs. And he obeyed the Lord who revealed, said, go down to Egypt. So he was obedient and he defended his family. And it cost him. 
like I said, I don't know what he might have been thinking about with the, the money and the riches and wealth that they had just re- acquired. But now he has to leave his comfortable bed, his job, his friends, the rest of his family. He walks away from everything to obey God so that he can protect his son. The son that technically isn't even his. And Joseph is willing to do that. Why? Because he was a just man, a righteous man. And because, in verse 15, it says that they were there, they were in Egypt, till the death of Herod. Why? That what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Out of Egypt did I call my son. Joseph's dealing with all kinds of different challenges. And, and I look at this and I'm like, how do you do that? And yet, God was using him to fulfill his promises. God had made these promises. Just We've only looked at a couple of them. God had made a bunch of promises. And how was it that God was going to be able to fulfill those promises? Through a just and righteous man who said, you know what? I'm going to obey no matter what it costs me. Whether it costs me my place in society, whether it costs me my nice warm bed in my home, whether it costs me riches, wealth, I don't know. We, we know that Joseph was a carpenter. We don't necessarily know like what level of the culture he was in. He might have been fairly comfortable. We, we know he wasn't really wealthy by any means until these magi showed up. And gave him all kinds of gifts. And then he's like, oh, what am I going to do with this? Well, that was God providing at the perfect time just what they needed so that Joseph could obey and travel down to Egypt and live there until the right time. Now we have one more example of what happens. I'm going to rush through this one. My apologies. In verse 16 and following, Herod executes a bunch of babies. And it's terrible. It's horrible. Herod was a wicked, wicked individual. We get down to 19. When Herod was dead, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. This is the third time now. And it says, Arise, take the child and his mother. Go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. So what does Joseph do? By this point, we ought to know his immediate answer is to obey, to do exactly what he said. Sure enough, he arose took the child and his mother and came to the land of Israel. Now, we don't get the idea that this was nearly as rushed as the exit. So, that's kind of nice. But, verse 22, when he heard that, and, and I always mess up names, my apologies, Auriculus was reigning over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. That's reasonable. Again, Joseph, he's a just man, he's a righteous man, he wants to do what's right. He's like, I'm coming back like the angel told me, but how's this going to work? I'm a little bit worried. But he was warned by God in yet another dream, the fourth dream. And so he departed for the regions of Galilee and came and resided in a city called Nazareth. Why? That that which was spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. Now, I've already encouraged you to spend some time studying out these these passages and prophecies, this is a fun one. This one's kind of challenging. I'll just come, come talk to me sometime and we'll, we'll walk through that one. 
It's tough, but it's really neat when we start to understand what's going on. Ultimately, God brought them back to where they started from. Mary and Joseph had been from Nazareth, and then they had to move because of the taxes. And Joseph moved because that was the legal thing that he had to do. And they got married because the angel told him, go ahead and take Mary as your wife. And then he gets run out of the country. And they've gone through all of these challenges and all these difficulties and everything else. And finally, God brings him right back to Nazareth. And Joseph is able to set up his household. And they live there until Jesus is ready to start his earthly ministry. So what? What do we have from this? What do we draw from this? It's an amazing story. God was able to do great things through this guy. What should I do because of that? Well, we ought to be righteous. We ought to be followers of Christ. We ought to be just. And we will be faced with challenges and difficulties. Like I said, I'm guessing most of you walked in here today and something was already on your mind of how am I going to deal with this? Step one, we have to be righteous. We have to be just. Now, obviously, Scripture says there's none righteous. No one follows God unless we have accepted Christ as our Savior. And then He makes us righteous. But then, when we know what God has told us to do, you know, sometimes it may be a simple thing like, oh man, I've got this guy at work who's constantly bugging me and, and causing me troubles. What's your attitude going to be? Are you going to obey God and be love, love your neighbors? Or are you going to have a bad attitude? I mean, we're probably all faced with that type of a, a, an issue on the regular. Maybe it's something way more pressing than that. Something much bigger, like your place in society. Like Joseph, he was, he was a carpenter who was at least reasonably respected. And now his, his wife-to-be is doing things. And what's, Joseph had a, an issue and a problem and a challenge. But he chose to obey God, and it cost him. It cost him a lot. Can you imagine Joseph looking back years later? Maybe he read Matthew, maybe he didn't. I don't know. Um, he, he could have been dead by the time that Matthew wrote his uh, gospel and, and had it out. But can you imagine Joseph looking back and realizing how some of what was probably the most difficult days in his life, really, when we think about it, this would have been hard on Joseph. The hardest time in his life was when God was able to use him to fulfill his promises to bring about the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promised one who would save not just his people, but ultimately would be the savior of the whole world. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. It's, it's possible that you're facing something that hard. When we obey God, when we follow him, God is able to use us in amazing ways. Now, like I said, I don't think God's going to start talking to any of us through an angel, but he does talk to us through his word. 
If we'll listen to it and obey it, God can use us in amazing ways. God made a promise in Romans that he was going to work all things together for good, for what was, what was best, what was right. That's Romans 8.28. And that, that gets thrown around a little flippantly sometimes. But we have confidence that God is able to work those things out. And we see here how God kept his promises that he had made to, in the Old Testament to the Jews, as well as took care of Joseph and Mary at just the right time in the perfect way. He got them out of danger. He provided for them. He did all of those things. If God was able to work it out with the world empires so that everything was going to be at just the right time for Jesus to come and God was able to work it out for one man, one individual so that God's promises could be fulfilled God can do amazing things in our lives as well. We need to be humble and teachable and obedient even when it's going to cost us. And I have one more verse to leave you with. This is, I I have a lot of favorite verses. I may periodically say this is one of my favorites. Well, I have a lot of them. But one of my favorites comes from Micah. And we're going to finish off with this one. And I, I would just encourage you You know, you may be facing challenges and difficulties and not sure where you're going to go and not sure what you're going to do. But in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, if I can get to it. Right after Jonah, there we go. Micah 6 verse 8. I like it when Scripture makes things nice and simple and clear. He, referring to God, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness or mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. As you're faced with these challenges and difficulties, I want to encourage you. Do these three things. Do what is just. Joseph was a just man, a righteous man. Love, kindness, or mercy. He didn't want to make an example out of Mary. He wanted to do what was best for her. And walk humbly with your God. Something to think about in the week ahead as you're faced with challenges, because you will be. Are you walking humbly with your God? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that we can see how awesome you are and that you fulfill your promises. Every promise that you have ever made either has or will be fulfilled. And that is so awesome. Lord, as we are faced with challenges and difficulties and decisions and all kinds of stuff, Lord, I don't know what each one here is dealing with or will be. Lord, help us to take encouragement from the the account of Joseph. And Lord, help us to love mercy, to do justice, and to walk humbly with you, knowing that your ways are perfect, and that when we are obedient to you, even though it costs us, you are able to do amazing things. Thank you for that. Help us to submit to it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.